Pauline, give me some of your tots. I ate his liver with some fava beans. A nice Chianti. Combo, pan fry, deep fry, stir fry. Yummy! Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of The Cooking Show. Happy Father's Day to all you daddies out there. That's weird when I say it that way, isn't it? It is. All right, so it's Father's Day weekend. I wanted to do an episode on grilling, and that's what we're doing. This episode is going to be a little bit different in that really not much in the way of recipes. I mean, you can check out the show notes. I will have a recipe for one component of this, but... This episode is mostly technique, a concept, I don't know, you know, there's a little bit of, little bit of mechanics and then a little bit of like, hey, add this to your grilling workflow because it's really important, okay? So take a look at the show notes. We'll have the recipe for the one thing. It's like four ingredients. You don't even have to measure them. You just throw it together, whatever. But no, no special equipment, no special ingredients. Um, what we're doing is spatchcocked chicken cooked on the grill and we have like a two-part sauce story with that one the one that i'll actually give the recipe for because you know it has a recipe is garlic scape pesto we're using that as sort of a not a finishing sauce but a just before finished finishing sauce and then the real star of the show the one that i kind of want to make the point of the episode is the board sauce a board sauce this listen whenever you're grilling most people just assume like okay the biggest flavor input here is going to be the act of grilling it itself you know whether you're cooking on wood or charcoal or even gas because even though the burning gas doesn't impart you know a, a delicious flavor on the meat the juices and the fats and stuff that drip off of the meat and then hit the, the interior of the grill and either ignite or fizzle up and smoke and all that kind of stuff, that does contribute to the flavor. So gas grilling also contributes flavor in addition to that of charcoal, wood, whatever. But that is not the end of the story as far as flavor is concerned. A board sauce is basically fresh herbs, maybe some salt, pepper, oil, uh, maybe citrus, stuff like that on your cutting board. And then you take the hot meat off of the grill and you rest it on top of those herbs. What will happen is the heat of, of the grilled item, the juices in the meat, all that kind of stuff, it's going to wilt those herbs. It's going to mix it up a little bit. And then when you transfer your protein to a serving platter or whatever, you can come back in and I, I don't want to say coarsely chop because you can go as fine, as fine as you have the patience to do so. But it's a fairly rustic chopping of the herbs that you have there mixed with the juices of the meat and some olive oil and, and citrus or whatever. Chop those up and then you can kind of garnish your proteins with this. It works fantastic with something like um, like a flank steak. If you don't want to make a full-blown chimichurri, you can make like a de deconstructed chimichurri using the same ingredients that you would put in the, 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 what would you say, the refined processed chimichurri, things like cilantro and parsley and oregano and chili peppers and citrus, whatever, you know, lime juice. Now with the, with the chicken, I just went with things that are like in season. And when I say in season, I mean like literally growing within 50 feet of where my grill was today. And that was, it's really nice because it's fresh. 
It's going to be different every time. You can control the amounts of different things. You can have just like a hint of this and a you know big big flavor of that or whatever. So uh, let's let's start with uh, spatchcocking a chicken. What this means is that you're going to basically open the the chicken up. You are going to remove the backbone so that the chicken can lay flat, breast, legs, and wings up, inside of the carcass down. It flattens out really nice. You know, I have the, I'll have, you know, check the show notes and look at the imager album and you'll see the whole spatchcocking process or whatever. Now, another cool thing is, you know, we're into the beginning of summer, close enough. I mean, the first day of summer, I believe might be, might be, could be a couple days from now, but my, my chickens are getting to the point where it's like, all right, cool. I have to process one to two chickens every week throughout the summer and eat them. So uh, we started off with a bang, did two of them, spatchcocked, cut through the uh, the ribs and the, and the bone down near the pelvis of the bird along either side of the backbone and then through uh, what is essentially the chicken's shoulder. And then usually at that point, if it's a younger bird, you can just open it up fairly easily. If you can't, you can use your shears and cut through the wishbone, which is essentially like the clavicle, I believe, of the bird that would be um, where the neck was, but before it gets into the breast, uh, right at the point of the breast, you can you can sever or chop through the uh, the wishbone there, and that'll that'll make it open up just like a book, real nice. Now, what are the benefits of spatchcock aside from the fact that it's really fun to say spatchcock? Right. Well, you know, with a whole bird, normally, if you're going to be cooking it over a fire of some sort, you want to do it like rotisserie, very long, slow cooking, a slow heat penetration, rolling on a on a spit so that the juices from the skin and the fat are just like dripping over it the whole time. And that's cool, but it does take a considerable amount of time. Whereas if you want to do it on a grill without the extra mechanism of the rotisserie, by spatchcocking it, you're reducing the the thickness of the total protein it's just i mean for the most part it's the same amount of meat i mean you're just cutting the backbone out it's like nobody's sitting there eating the backbone of a chicken but the thickest point in the bird depending on how big the breasts are i mean if you're buying a grocery store bird i suppose the uh the breast meat could be a lot thicker than like with my chickens but it's a couple inches as opposed to you know six seven eight inches uh through the thickest point whenever it's intact so that speeds up the cooking process so that you can do it on a grill and uh, even with the higher heat of, you know, whether it's wood or charcoal, gas, whatever, it'll be a higher heat closer to the protein than if you're doing like rotisserie. Usually you can offset that a little bit. Despite that higher heat, you're not going to dry it out. You're not going to have it on there so long that the skin burns or anything like that. So it gives you just, it, it condenses the cooking time and it gives you a lot of surface area into which the smoke can penetrate and you can get a lot of good flavor there. So one thing I generally don't do whenever I spatchcock is I don't brine or try to increase the moisture content of the chicken as compared to whenever I do rotisserie because you are cooking it quicker and you want to make sure that you can, um, brown the skin and crisp that up a little bit. And if you're adding a lot of water content through, you know, brining it for 24 hours or 12 hours or whatever, you can kind of waterlog it and it makes it harder. It, it'll cook fine. It might be juicier at the end, 
but then you'll have like rubber, rubbery skin and it'll be rough. So plus this was a thing where I went from live chicken to dinner table in less than two hours. You know, I processed the chickens, I put them in the fridge to cool. I uh, went about making some of the sides and stuff like that. And then went back out and, and grilled those two chickens. So like two hours before we ate dinner, the chickens were alive. Yeah. And so anyway, yeah, uh, salt salt your chicken pretty heavily on on the the skin side up and the cut side like the interior that's down, now facing down salt both of those sides as heavily as you can um and then onto the grill moderate heat you don't want to put this on whenever it's just like piping hot because then you are going to get like a sear and you don't want to you want to you, you want to cook it as slowly as possible while also being considerably quicker than rotisserie right get it on there you flip it a couple times, move them around the grill onto hot spots, away from hot spots. It's very uh, hands-on, like active cooking. Grilling is active cooking, whereas barbecue is passive, you know? One thing that I really like to do is uh, brush on, you know, some people say basting or whatever, um, is brushing on a baste of pickle juice. Pickle juice, oh my God, it's fantastic. It really highlights, see, there are acids in wood spoke because I usually, uh, I might cook on charcoal, but I'm going to add wood to it, whether it's, it's hickory or oak or whatever. It's usually just shards of wood that are over by my chopping block whenever I'm actually cutting wood for, for the winter. So I'll just grab a bunch of those and throw them in there. And as that smokes, it, it there is a sweetness to the smoke, but then there's also like this salty acidity that comes through. Like um, it, it's some compound in the wood smoke but the pickle juice definitely accentuates that. It's very nice. Plus brushing that on allows you to slow the darkening and the crisping of the skin because it's gonna cool down the surface pretty considerably every time you apply it, but it's really nice. So based with pickle juice, uh, occasionally as you're flipping there, I think total cook time on this was maybe about 40 minutes. And like I said, I was starting with like a moderate heat grill. Like I had the, the charcoal was piping hot. Um, I put that on and then I added wood to the top and let that burn down until it was basically like coals and then cooked over the coals. All right. So let's talk about this uh, garlic scape pesto. I'm going to give you a, a substitution uh, for the garlic scapes because garlic scapes are only available in like a two week window for the most part, wherever you live. Like right now. Uh, if you go to the farmer's market this week, maybe they'll have garlic scapes. Next week, maybe they'll have them again. Week after that, yeah, we're not going to see them until next year. You know what I mean? So if you're going to miss out on the garlic scapes, you can replace that with garlic chives. And garlic chives, if you have an herb garden or if you just have a regular garden or whatever, consider planting some garlic chives. The only thing, the only herb that I have that grows more vigorously and uh, like self-reproductively is mint. And mint is you know, infamous for its ability to just spread and take over an area. It's like considered, the, the aside from kudzu, like the most robust invasive uh, plant. But, you know, one side of my walkway is almost solid mint and the other side is almost solid garlic chive. And that started from one six inch pot of garlic chives eight years ago. And now it's you know, 15 feet just lining the walkway. It's fantastic. Very garlicky, uh, but you'll get the same sort of effect of like extremely forward garlic flavor. It'll be green. That's the thing, you know, the, the green uh, color 
the smooth texture. It's so garlicky. Yeah, it's so garlicky with the garlic scapes. Now with the chives, you're not going to get this spicy component, but the garlic scape pesto is like hot. It's spicy. It's almost like a horseradish heat, you know? Like like when you get a really good olive oil and it's like, ooh, that burns a little bit. <laughs> so anyway, you could replace the garlic scapes with garlic chives. It'll work fine. The juice of a lemon, a reasonable amount of salt. It depends on how many garlic chive or garlic scapes you're starting with or what the volume is, but you know, a bunch of salt, a, you know, a small handful, a medium handful of, of salt throw it in there. And then um, a, a nearly preposterous amount of olive oil, enough olive oil that the pesto itself will be somewhat liquidy. Like you, you will see in the pictures in the Imager album, sort of the uh the texture of my pesto and mine is very dry and solid like i could have made this a lot more oily and it would have worked fine but i i figured out I, I wanted it all to kind of fit in two or three jars so i didn't want to increase the volume too much by adding too much oil plus once you use it you can always thin it out with oil and in fact whenever i thin i thin this out pickle juice to apply to the chickens at the end of the grilling process and that worked fantastic also so yeah uh, what do we have so olive oil salt lemon and the actual garlic uh, vegetation whether it's garlic scapes or garlic chives okay now let's talk about the board sauce there are lots of different herbs that you can use. Basically, whatever you have growing, whatever. I mean, you don't want to go out and you know, buy 15 different little packages of herbs because then it'll cost you an arm and a leg. You know, a little packet of these little clamshells full of herbs, they are, they are efficient in that um, it's a good amount and it's a, it's a reasonable price. Man, what is it? $3, $4, something like that. But man, it adds up. You buy it, six of them. Now you're $24 in for something that you're just like bedazzling your meat with. But if you have an herb garden, if you have things growing, definitely pick a smattering. And they they don't all have to be things that you would otherwise, that you would normally use. You know what I mean? Like for example, this is, this is my herb lineup that I used for my board sauce today. Lots of oregano, two little fronds of fennel, a very small amount of dill, sage, curly parsley, cilantro, and a little bit of mint. Okay. So that's just things that I had growing there. Yeah, I took sprigs of each, laid them out on the cutting board. And uh, there wasn't, I didn't want anything too overpowering. Like you don't want that dill flavor to be super, super forward. You don't want, you've, you're already basting it with pickle juice. So you can have that little accentuation, but you don't want to turn it up too high. The fennel fronds kind of have a nice sweet anise flavor to it, but you don't want that to overpower anything, right? So just like two of those, but a whole bunch of oregano. Oregano is fantastic. Oregano is like a, it, it's, it's a core herb in so many different types of cuisine, whether it's Italian, uh, French, Spanish, Mexican, whatever. And then sage is really nice pairing up with poultry. The thing, uh, the only thing you'd have to really keep an eye on is that you want the herbs that you use to be edible in their like natural form. Like you don't want to throw bay leaves in there because then you have to remove them. Nobody's going to eat a bay leaf. Uh, even thyme sprigs because uh, they have woody stems. Like the leaves would be fine. You could take thyme sprigs and pull the actual leaves of thyme off and add that. That would be fine. 
but you know, I kind of just want to snip them and throw them on the Ford. So that's why everything there was uh, was edible as is. So whenever I got to the end of the grilling process and I sort of slathered the chickens on both sides, the cut, the cut side and the skin side with the garlic scape pesto diluted in or thinned out with pickle juice, got it nice and hot on both sides and then ended it cooking it cut side down against the fire so that, that would be nice and hot came straight off the grill and onto the bed of herbs let it just rest there for 10 minutes you know i had two chickens that covered the whole cutting board let that rest what happens is the heat from that protein wilts the uh the herbs the juices from the chicken kind of get down there and start marrying and meandering through the herb bed and then, you know, whenever you remove the chicken from the board to your serving dish, then you come back in with a knife and very finely chop those herbs up and then just slap them, <laughs> slap them onto your chicken. It's fantastic. Check out those pictures. You'll see what I'm talking about. But that's basically, that's, that's the thing is like you have this opportunity to add an incredible amount of flavor and visual appeal. I mean, it looks so good. It's so like rustic but still fancy. It's like, oh, look at all these herbs. Look at all these, all this flavor, all this free flavor that we can add on top of the wood smoke, the charcoal, the salt, the pepper, you know, whatever. So uh, don't sleep on that. Don't forget when it comes off the grill, you have one last, I, I mean, aside from condiments and, you know, you're not going to make a board sauce out of ketchup and mustard, but you have that one last chance to incorporate the juices of the meat in the heat, you can you can make use of it. You can sink it into a productive endeavor. So uh, a board sauce, very it's highly. Uh, I don't even want to say overrated. It's underappreciated, underutilized, underutilized. That's what it is. But that's it. Uh, so check it out. Next time you grill something, uh, put some fresh herbs on a cutting board, and you know punch that flavor up to eleven. All right. Hope you guys had a happy Father's Day weekend. Talk to you next week.